There's this thing you might have heard coming up this week. It's a big deal. It's like a real big deal. Okay, it's like it's like probably America's biggest holiday. And of course, you know what it is. Black Friday. Yeah, Black Friday, Black Friday is coming up. Uh, I don't know how you feel about Black Friday. When I when I say Black Friday, uh, do you do Black Friday? I'm just curious. A little survey. You might do Black Friday like you go out and do something crazy. All right. So a, a few of us are crazy. I go out. I do it with my with my wife and a couple of our my in laws. Mostly because I like watching crazy people be crazy. Like, it's just so funny. If you've never been to Target at 2 a.m. on Black Friday, you've missed something. It's just, I remember the first time I went and I saw these two grown women. And they were sprinting down an aisle towards, I don't know what, because I couldn't keep up with them. It was like, it was like a, an Olympic pre-qualifier. They were down. They were gone. Saw this other dude. He was pushing like a normal-sized shopping cart. But stacked precariously on top of it were these three like 70 inch TVs. Like he didn't even bother to like get a bigger cart or like one of those, you know, big dolly thing. No, he's like stacking it. And he's on the phone and he's talking to somebody. They got deals at Best Buy. And I'm like, what do you do? Like this must be the greatest gift giving uncle in the history of gift giving uncles. Or maybe he owns a sports bar and they're just updating the back room. Like, I don't know. Why do you need three 70 inch TVs? Um, I don't know. It's, it's what it is. It's, it's a thing. Uh, I guess it's good for the economy, local business, all that. Cyber Monday. Yay. Right. But that's not the point. I say that and I bring it up this morning because one is coming up. It's kind of on the horizon. And uh, I like to kind of say things that can kind of get in our head over the week and just help us think about something. I say that because I th- I feel like sometimes we go through life like it's Black Friday. And this is what I mean. You might remember back in, in the, the 90s, there was this like trend of doing shopping sweepstakes where you could like just go through a store and you had like a certain amount of time to put as much stuff as you could into a shopping cart. And you, you people running down the aisles like raking stuff into the shopping cart. And I, I, I feel like sometimes that's kind of how we go through life. We're like, what can I get into my shopping cart? Like, what is it? I got to fill this thing up because I got a limited amount of time. And, you know, when the buzzer goes, I can't put nothing else in the shopping cart. And that's, so we, we do this thing. We build our shopping cart up. And I, I don't think that's the way that God wants. I think what it does is it puts us in a mindset where we don't kind of, we don't kind of place ourselves where God could use us to the most effectiveness and whatever. So kind of a topic I want to get in today because we're in this third week of our teaching series that we've been calling First Fruits. And the idea is giving God the best of me. So if you've been here over the last couple of weeks, or if you haven't, I want to kind of remind us. The first week, we talked about how when you put others first, it was a selfless attitude. Jesus says, when you serve people in need, you've done this for me. And so one way to put God first, it's kind of an easy way to get started, is to start by putting other people first. And, and we get pretty good at that. Like we live in a society that likes to take care of people. And so that's good. But that's a way that if you do it in, in, in the name of Jesus, you're just kind of, you're serving him. It's very cool. Last week, we, we kind of took a step deeper. You might remember I had a rack of clothes up here. And I said, we're standing in front of our closet of life. And this is the phrase that whatever you put on will determine the choices that you make. As we talked about that, but we said, you know, we're going to put on Christ. And I want to give God the first choice in my mind and my heart. That was a study of Colossians chapter 3. If you missed that, go check it out on our podcast. I hope it can be like a kind of a pivotal drive thing. This whole series has been very, uh, I don't know, formative and grounding for me personally, and I hope for us as a church, because we want to be people who are God-chasing, grace-shaped love agents. We say that as often as I can remember to say it, but it's very difficult to chase God with our life and, and, and be shaped by his grace and pour out his love. It's very difficult to do that if we can't figure out how to give him the best of us. It's, very, it's this conflicting thing. You can't serve two masters kind of thing. So as we talk about these things, we're going to step into a topic today that, as, honestly, as I look at the, the landscape of first fruits decisions, today's topic is probably the hardest to swallow for most people. 
And it's the discussion of first fruits when it comes to our money. And specifically, I'm going to do something I've never done. Our church is only four years old. Uh, and so we've actually never had a specific teaching. We're going to talk about something that I think a lot of people have questions about. Tithing. What is tithing? And like, how does that even fit into God's plan? Is that something we need to know about? Any of that. Um, I want to say this. If this is your first time here, or maybe you're just like, you've been coming with a friend and you're like, oh, shoot, I came on Monday day. I don't want it. Uh, and these seats are really close together. If I stand up and leave, everyone's going to know. Just so you know, just go ahead. Just, the bathrooms are in the back and everyone's just going to think you're headed out for that. Uh, but no, I want to say this. We don't talk about money a whole lot here. I believe God provides for, for what we need as a church. And, and, and I also think a lot of us have experienced this. There have been some unhealthy conversations about money from the church. I know personally, talking to a lot of my friends here, sitting right here, that you've been in churches where there was really unhealthy teaching about money. And it's, and, and it's just, it's, it's unnerving to see how much that unhealthy teaching has led people to leave church or spend less time seeking God with their life. But here's what I also see. When I read through the Bible... Discussion about money and riches is everywhere. Did you realize that in the Bible, um, there's really not much else talked about more than money and riches? In fact, do you know that discussion about our riches and our wealth is discussed more than conversation about heaven? It's discussed more than conversation about prayer? It's mentioned more times in the name of Jesus? Wow. It's mentioned more times than the concept of salvation? It's huge. The only thing really talked and taught about more in the Bible uh, than, than finances and riches and money is the name of God, which that's a good thing, right? But you hear that, and you're like, wait a second. Okay, that doesn't seem right. I don't, I don't think that's what the Bible should be about. As I step back and look at that, I realize something. I think that God knows something about us. I think he knows what's important to us. And I think that he knows that though a lot of these other things are like occasional concerns, money is a constant concern for us. And he also knows this, that nothing can come between our relationship with God faster than our money. That's why I think it's discussed so often, and so we should probably talk about it more. There's a lot of things that we can talk about putting first in our lives. Uh, It's really quick to say, you know what? Put others first. That's great. I'll do that. And so we'll let go of that part of our life. I'll do it. I'll do it, God. Yeah, I want to serve. Man, can we just go serve somewhere? I want to put God first in my choices, in my heart, and my mind, standing in front of the closet. Yeah, I will do that. I will do that. But something that we don't want to let go of a whole lot of is our money. We keep a death grip on it. it. So every week, we look to the Bible for the answers to life's most important questions. And so what I want to invite you to do this morning is grab your Bible. I want you to uh, grab, there's a note card actually in your, little, uh, in your little packet that was in your cup holder. I don't mention that very often, but keep a pen there. It's a great place to write down some notes. Because I really think that as we get through this conversation this morning, you can take some huge steps in your mindset about what does it mean for me to put God first in my life. It's amazing. It's huge. Let's jump in. Let's ask this question. I said we're going to be talking about tithing. Uh, in the four-year history of our church, uh, though we've mentioned tithing a few times, we mostly talk uh, about it a little bit off to the side. I want to bring it to the forefront because it's a big concept in the Old Testament. What is tithing? Uh, if you look at it, you first discover in the Old Testament of the Bible, there's lots of places I could just read you some scripture, but just it's there. It was part of the Old Testament Jewish law, and here's basically how it worked for them. Every person was expected to bring a tenth of their income, what they earned, what they grew, to the temple for the service of the kingdom to, to be there in the temple to take care of that. Uh, the word tithing actually means, the word tithe means tenth. So you could think of it not necessarily just as tithing, but as tenthing. 
And so why did they do this? Well, there were two really good reasons for this, at least two, two that were very compelling to me. The first one is this, is it was an act of worship. It was an offering, you know? What do I have that I could give to, to, to say, God, okay, I want to give you something good. I can, I can give you the first fruits of my crops, or I can give you some money and it helps. That's what it was. And there was this underlying statement that happens in this. And it's this, God, whew, I'm going to give you 10% right off the top of what I've grown, what I've earned. Because I am going to trust you to take care of my life with the 90% that I have left. I've heard it said that God can do more with 90% than we could do with 100%. There's a, a rapper that I listen to named Andy Minio. He's a Christian rapper. You check him, check him out. He's really cool. He said, God done a whole lot more with a whole lot less. He's got power to do so much with so little, yet he's asking us to trust him. And so that was the first reason they did it. It's an act of worship. I trust you, God. The second reason that the Jews did this was very practical. It was to just take care of the needs of the temple. Uh, the families that served in the temple and that took care of the people and that did the ministry out in the community, uh, they lived off the generosity of the people who came to the temple. And the system went back and forth like that. And so that, that was the thing. There was the trust thing. There was the serve the, the, the people of God thing. And so this was for them, quite literally, a first fruits conversation. I will look at this scripture. It's from Proverbs 3, verse 9. And it kind of just rolls the whole thing into a thought. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. And so this is just kind of the very nugget heart of the concept of these offerings, these tithes. The principle here was very simple. Trust God and support his work in the world by making him the first priority with your finances. That's a sentence that you might want to settle in. Trust God, support his work in the world by making first priority with your finances. So before we move on, okay, I, I said all that. I want to kind of pause, time out, step over here. And I want to say this. This is an Old Testament Jewish law and principle. As New Testament, the, the Old Testament was the first two-thirds of the Bible. This is the covenant of God where there are specific rules that they followed and, and ceremonies that they went through to kind of stay right with God. Because of Jesus, we're not bound to that law. And so we are not judged by how good we are at being good. We're not judged at how right we are at beginning right with God. And so though these are Old Testament law, we're not bound by that law. In fact, I want to say this very clearly. The only reason and way we get right with God is through Jesus. He said, look, I've got, I've got you, I've got your salvation, you turn to me and trust me with your life. And so that's, that's the thing I want to step aside and say. But that's where the principle of the tithe began. It was an instruction from God to his people. He said, trust me, support my work, put me first. I really think these three things are like the, the keys to understanding why they did it. Trust me, support my work, put me first. But then this is something that Christians continued to do. Not because they were bound by law, but because they still had those same goals. I want to trust God. I want to support his work. I want to put God first. As Jesus is teaching his followers about a lot of things, he, he showed us very quickly that even though we're not bound by the law, and it doesn't dictate like our status with God, there's still a really good guide for the type of life that we should live to honor God. And so as, as Jesus even is teaching, I want to make a note of this. Matthew's, Matthew is a book in the New Testament of the Bible. Matthew chapter 5 and 6. Jesus has this long teaching on a lot of different Jewish laws and how they apply to people who are serving him. And so it's a really cool section to read, Matthew chapter 5 and 6. We're not going to get in that today. He actually does talk a little bit about our wealth in that as well. Um, but it brings us back to the first fruits conversation. 
And this question, this is actually my, my whole sermon boiled down in about the next two or three sentences, okay? So like if you just got somewhere to be, you'll have it right here. You ready for this? The question is, do Christians have to set aside 10% of their incomes to give back to the kingdom of God? All right, you ready for the answer? That's up to you. That's the answer. That's up to you. It's totally up to you. It's not going to affect your status with God. It's not going to get you in or out of heaven. All right, that, that decision is up to you. In most key passages in the New Testament, when it talks about our wealth and giving, the word tithing is never used. And instead, we see another concept, and it's this. Be generous. That's our instruction. Be generous. And generosity is a state of your heart. It's up to you. <laughs> generosity is a state of your heart. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. This is one of, it really guides me as I think about my own personal life. You got to understand when I talk about stuff like this, it's more like I kind of put up kind of a wall right here and I step back here and I just kind of talk to myself. And so you guys get to like see my schizophrenic conversation with myself. Th- this, is, this is where I find in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7, the, Apol- the apostle Paul teaches this. He says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly, or under compulsion. If you've ever been to a church where someone comes and knocks on your doors and like, yeah, your bills do. Yeah, they did it wrong. That's, there's, no, there's no force clause on this. Not reluctantly, not under compulsion. God loves a cheerful giver. The beauty of this concept is that tithing and any type of offerings, it's not an obligation. It's not law. It's about a choice and it's about a state of your heart. And so, so I just want to be real with you. Uh, I want to tell you kind of where I've landed on, on this personally. If I've wrestled with it in my own life, this is where I have landed. First is this. It's something I've said the last two weeks in a row. I'm convicted that God is not interested in my leftovers. He's not. He wants, he wants everything off the top. He's not interested in me just throwing him what I got left over after the shopping spree's over. If I got any energy left, okay, I'll just give you some time, give you some effort, give you some thoughts, give you my heart, a little bit of it. Right before I go to bed, oh, I fell asleep halfway through the prayer, but I tried. Like, I don't think God is ever interested in my leftovers. I think he wants the best of me. And so then when it comes to my money, uh, I, I think he wants my intentional, cheerful, and prayerfully considered offerings. It's something that I've decided, okay, I'm, I'm doing this because I've decided I want to. And I'm excited to. This is the second thing where I've landed personally. Okay, I got to kind of talk through it. 10% was the Jewish law minimum for what everyone was expected to do. It was 10% was like kind of the minimum. And as I look through Jesus' teaching, I never ever see him asking me to give him the minimum of anything. He's never like, look, you can just barely cut by it. That's cool. Like, it's, it's basically a limbo game life. And if you can just squeak underneath, you're good. Like, I never see him do that. I, what I see Jesus say, look, do your best. Give everything the best you can. Give me your best. And so, for me, where I've landed with tithing is, I think the tithing, for me, has got to be a minimum. Not like the standard, but that's where I need to begin. And, as my wife and I have, like, studied this on our own and decided how we're going to manage our finances, we say we want to do a, a tithe and, then, and continue to be generous after that as often as we're able, beyond that. So that's where I've landed. For the rest of the sermon, if you will indulge this and just hear it this way, here's what I want to do. I want to just kind of share my personal story as we've dived into this conversation as a family, me and my wife, as we work through it. And uh, specifically the conversation of tithing as as a minimum for how we want to be generous. And um, it's been probably the most eye-opening part of my spiritual journey as I've been able to see tangibly in my life what God's doing. You can talk about some spiritual things and be like, oh yeah, I think I got a warm, fuzzy feeling. I'm not sure. It's hard to measure that, but you know what you can measure? 
uh, your bank account. <laughs> it's pretty, it's math. It's very, very analytical. I can see that. So this week I sat down and I, and I wrote down a bunch of reasons why, I mean, why do, why do we do it? Like, is it a thing that, why? And we thought about it. And I, I thought about doing like a top 10 list, but I'm like, I'm, I'm not cool as David Letterman, so I can't do a top 10 list. And so, I, but I, I landed on three. These are three reasons why I personally choose to tithe. And you don't, it, it's up to you. But I just want to tell you where it's landed with me and see how it can land with you. And maybe this can be helpful as we work through this together. Uh, so I'm just going to jump right in. There are three. The first one is this. The first reason is I tithe because I want to rely on God more and on me less. I want to rely on God more and on me less. And, and to back up and tell you some of my story, uh, my wife and I have been sharing finances for well over 15 years now. We, we actually started sharing our finances before we got married uh, just because we knew we were getting married. So we're like, let's go ahead and get in the swing of it. And we've never made a whole lot of money. Um, I don't know what your perception of pastor's uh, financial situation is, but the guys who are driving the gold-plated uh, Beamers, I don't know those guys. Like, it's not, it's not my people. You can go look at my gold-plated Beamer. It needs a paint job. Um, but, uh, and it's from 1996. Um, but no, I, I say that because it's, as we looked at it, we're like, okay, if we're going to do this, it's not going to be about like out of this excess of money we just had. It's just got to be a choice. It's got to be a joyful decision. And so uh, as we began uh, very, very early, we said, okay, let's do this. Let's tie 10% off of our paycheck every time. Let's just, and we, we tied to our local church that we were attending at the time. Let's just, let's just do that. And it was hard. I, I think just to give you some perspective, I think my first pay full time, ready for this? These are air quotes. My full, full, first full time job, I think I made someone in the ballpark of like $10,000. Okay. So. That's, that's transparent, right? And so we're standing there like, all right. And so we're like, we're like okay, so groceries, that's going to have to happen at some point. We're going to need toilet paper at least. I guess we borrow some from the gas station. Like, you know, like you're making these decisions and you're sitting there. And so you write these checks and they go out. And there were months, I can tell you, we were just like, whew, all right. This is going to be tight. And there were months where we were late on stuff. And there were, but we said, we're going to commit to this because we had really godly mentors who said, listen, you need to trust God and trust him to provide for you. And we're like, all right, I'm trusting you. <laughs> I'm trusting you, trusting you, God. I'm trusting these mentors. But then stuff began to happen that I can only explain as the act of God. I get a phone call. I had a friend who had a construction company. Hey, man, I got a little extra work this week and you want to work some hours? Heck yeah, <laughs> sign me up. And I'm, I'm a musician and I had a band and we played out some, hey, can we hire your band to come do a thing? Uh, yeah, sign me up for that. And, and you know, we'd get a, a card in the mail, unexpected, sometimes anonymous. Like, where did God is mailing us money? Like, and it was, it was amazing. The greatest thing that, that, I mean, my wife and I will, to, to this day, we'll stand on this. And I haven't even told her that I'm gonna say this and she knows before I say it. The biggest example of this, we got a call from my grandma one day and she said, right? And she said, whew, she said, hey, I know you guys are like a newly married couple. You probably don't have a lot of money. I was wanting to send you money every month to cover the cost of your groceries. <laughs> and so we sat at the table every night, and we thanked God, and we thanked Nanny. <laughs> and it, it, was, it was amazing. God showed up, and there were times when we had like $10 or less in the bank account. And when I say less, it's like, yeah. But I want to rely on God more and on me less. And I want to kind of tell you, as you teach through this kind of stuff, I, I can't get my mind away from something that was said by the prophet Malachi. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. And this is something that you might often hear when someone asks questions about tithing. Uh, uh, Malachi 3.10, he says this. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Remember, this is an agricultural metaphor, okay? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord. 
See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it all. He says, test me in this. It, it blows my mind here, actually. God is, you know, God created the universe. He's like, test me. And my friends, we say, say I won't. <laughs> say I won't do it. God says, say I won't. Say I won't bless you. Test me in this. And so since those days, we've continued not only to... Um, to test God with a tithe, I'm actually going to shift that because what we've learned is that it's not a test anymore. It's a trust. And as that trust begins to happen, right now we're a single income family. My wife, uh, she's a champ. She stays home and, and, and homeschools our kids. And you got to understand how, uh, if you know me very well, like talking about this in public is not me, <laughs> but I'm convicted that it's important to share our experiences that God has shown us. And so, and we continue to be as generous as, as we can. And let me tell you something. We have never known a day of want. There's never been a moment where we were like, oh, shoot, we're not going to eat. Our kids aren't going to wear clothes. We're going to be homeless. And sometimes even some of those things even happen. But you know what? We're still provided for. And what we're learning day by day, and it's still a process day by day, we're learning about all the things that we don't need. <laughs> and check this out. We've got a ton of financial margin we actually are able to have savings. And we have started a retirement fund. I had a, a great mentor, one of these guys that was mentoring us early on, and he said he started us a retirement fund when I was 21 years old. He said, how about $20 a month? Put it in there. I was like, $20? I don't know, man. <laughs> and, but we just trusted that. And God has provided us margin not only to take care of our needs today, but he's actually helping us take care of our needs tomorrow. And deep breath before I say this, but I think that God needs to have people say what happens in their lives. We're able to be more generous every year than we were the year before. And we've been able to do that since 15 years ago. And so, okay, this isn't about me. This is reasons why I've learned to trust God. And the reason that I want to trust God is because I want to rely on me more. <laughs> no, that's not what I mean. Let me say it again. I want to rely on God more and on me less. That's the first reason. Maybe that's helpful for you. Um, reason number two. Because I want to be about God's kingdom and not about my kingdom. I talk a lot about God's kingdom. And why? Because if you look through the teachings of Jesus, that's, that's how he starts almost every single one. <laughs> Talking about the kingdom of heaven. I think it's a big deal. Um, I want to be about God's kingdom, about, not about my kingdom. A lot of people teach that if you trust God with, with your money, he'll make you like rich. I don't know where they get this from, honestly. Like, it's God's goal for us to all have private jets and mansions. Because when I look at Jesus' life, I see a guy who was like sometimes going, yeah, I don't even have a place to lay my head tonight. And he was telling rich people constantly, you know what would be best for you? You should sell everything you own and give it to the poor. Like, these are the things I see Jesus saying. So just want to get that out of your mind. God has blessed people to be wealthy, but that's not the promise he gives us all. He says, I will take care of you. And so as I look through that, uh, I think as he talks to these people about their money, one thing he talks to them about is he says, your money is a barrier between you and God because you're putting trust in that and you're not putting trust in me. And what you're doing is you're trying to build your own kingdom. You're running through the sweepstakes and you're raking everything into your cart. But at the end of the day, you don't have a whole lot to give to me and to other people. And so my kingdom, your kingdom, can be pretty cool. New iPhones every nine months. It's getting sooner and sooner every time a new iPhone comes out. We need 70-inch TVs in every room in the house. I've been trying to tell my wife this, and she's not listening, right? We, you know, we want to build these kingdoms, and it's going to be awesome. But check out what happens when we leave this world. It's all going to be redistributed to somebody else anyway, someone who didn't work for it. Or your iPhone is going to be obsolete in nine months. 
Or if you've ever seen these huge, beautiful farmhouses out in the field that is completely covered with kudzu, those vines, you realize that the treasures and the kingdoms that we build in this world do not last. Jesus says it directly like that. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. He says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on this earth. Moths, vermin, destroy these things. Thieves break in and steal these things. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Moths and vermin cannot destroy. Thieves do not break in and steal. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. That's why depression is so high among wealthy people. Because there's no substance to wealth. But God said, man... Put your treasures in me. He says it a couple verses later in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. He says, but instead, seek first his kingdom, God's kingdom, and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. You'll get everything you need. He doesn't promise to make you rich. He promises, I'll take care of your kingdom. You look out for my kingdom. I'll take care of yours. And what we're talking about is the mission of the church. Shining light into dark places, making sure people know the name of Jesus and what he can do in their lives. And so what does it mean to, to invest in the kingdom of God? Well, you know, it, 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 one thing it means is supporting the local church that you attend and be part of the ministry that they're doing in the city. And, and, and beyond that, I know that's something that's like, I don't know, I've been burned by that in the past. Fine. I want you to understand this thing is not a thing to get money in the offering place at Venture Church. This is to get you to invest in the kingdom of God. Guess who you can invest in? Some great Christian, Christ-centered nonprofits in our city, like the Bear Foundation or, or Vigilant Hope or many other people, helping people uh, find, uh, escape from their brokenness by introducing them to Jesus. It, that, invest in that, richly in that. Build the kingdom of God. You know, another thing you could do to build the kingdom of God, you could partner with a family who goes to church with you. And we're on all kinds of different economic spectrums in this room right now, okay? And there are people in this room right now that could use help. And maybe you're like, oh man, I'm sitting on how many extra things? I could probably help invest in someone else's life. And that builds the kingdom. Remember, whatever you've done for the least of these brothers of mine, you've done for me. So maybe that's the way you could help Build the kingdom of God. When, when I find out that people are losing their jobs or they get behind on a bill, look, these aren't bums. These aren't people who aren't trying. They just got dealt different cards than some of the rest of us did. So we can build the kingdom of God like that. Here's another way we can build the kingdom of God. You can support foreign missionaries. A few years, a few weeks ago, we had Brian Paris here. You guys remember Brian? Did he not blow your mind with his stories? This guy's a Bible translator in Papua New Guinea. He works uh, with tribal people who, it's just the the... The, the ancientness of some of their culture is like, wow, people still live like that. Yet they still have Facebook accounts. It's really crazy. Um, but, you know, he, he lives off the generosity of other people. He does. The reason he was here and the reason he's in America right now, not, it was not because he got tired of being in Papua New Guinea. He would just stay there. But was because in order to support the work of all the families that do, he comes every four years or so and he travels to churches and he meets with families. And I know a couple of you are, you, you get the system, and you took him out to lunch, or you had coffee with him, and I, he appreciates that, believe me. And so maybe you could partner with somebody doing kingdom work somewhere else in the world. Uh, you could support church planting. Uh, a couple, uh, back in February, you remember we talked a lot about Restore Church in Jacksonville, and our church family stepped up. We actually gave away a whole week's worth of our offering to them, and as we talked about it for like a month leading, month leading up to it, I celebrated that you guys dug deep, and our offering that week was more than double than it's ever been in the history of our church. By the way, God has continued to take care of our church's finances since then, where before that we were like, oh, it's kind of struggling a little bit, and he's continued to, to provide month and by month. 
Maybe you can invest in, in church planting, someone like Roger. But you come to me, man. I know, I know about church plants all over our nation. I'm in network with these people that are doing this. And maybe you want to help see something like what's happening at Venture Church happening in other cities. This is the last one. How can you build the kingdom of God? Really simple way, super, super simple way. I love that our church has been able to embrace a community of college students from UNCW and Cape Fear. And so we're trying to do our best to be a church where they can uh, build, p- place an anchor, you know, in a local church while they're living in the city. Three to five years from now, they might not be here. But while they're here, they want... And these are some of the greatest kingdom workers I've ever met. You met Logan, who was up here preaching a few weeks ago. I mean, these are some great, great people. Uh, Caleb was playing bass up here. He's already graduated, but he came here as a college student. And I could name a bunch of these guys. They don't want me to name them right now. They're actually... I see a couple of them like... Um, you know what you could do? Take them out to lunch. Right? Yeah? <laughs> Seriously. No, get, get with these guys. You guys, some of you remember being away from home. And, and you know what? You can say, listen, I, I don't have a lot, but I could probably put a little extra meat in the crock pot this week. You guys want to come over to the house? Grab one of these students and say, hey, I don't even know your name. Um, don't be scared. They're pretty cool. And, and I'm not just calling them out. You could do that for anybody that's in your church family. Invest in the kingdom of God by investing in other people. Why do I tithe? I want to be more concerned about building God's kingdom and less concerned about building my own. Third reason. This is kind of weird. Uh, the final reason for me is... Uh, it's not really about money. Um, reason number three is because I love my kids. All right, so that's weird sounding, right? First, a couple things. I know some of you don't have kids, and so you're like, all right, well, this one doesn't really apply to me. It does. You've got people in your life who look up to you, hopefully, and if you don't, you should work on that. That's really kind of one of life's goals, okay? Um, for me, it's my children. So maybe you can insert, anytime I say my kids, I want you to insert someone in your life who looks up to you. Well, Ty, because I love my kids, um, and I want my kids to know that we make choices with our money, that honors God. And, and, and it's real easy. And I'm going to put myself on the judgment stand right now. Because I do my best not to put up people there. But I'll put me there every day. And it's real easy for me to spoil the mess out of my kids. I want them to have cool stuff. I want them to have every newest thing. And I want to go through the store. My daughter who. My son never really did this as much. But my daughter boy. She's just not afraid to say. I want this. I want this. I want this. Like the 17th time. I'm like I already told you no. Um, but you know what we do. When we just continue to pour stuff into their life that they really don't need. Actually, some of the stuff, some of this technology, side rant, uh, introduces them to the evil of the internet. Can we be aware of this, please? Okay, filters don't work. Okay, boom. All right, so, um, but we do this, but we're, t- we're unintentionally teaching them a lesson. You know what we're teaching them? The most important thing is for you to get what you want and build your kingdom. Man, I, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> you hear me? <laughs> And you want these things for your kids, but what do you really want from your kids, for your kids? You know what I want for my kids? I want my kids to trust God more and themselves less. I want my kids to be about building God's kingdom and not about building their kingdom. So why do I tithe? Because I, I love my kids. Who is it that looks up to you? I'm going to tell you something. If they see you making first fruit type choices, we've talked about money. That's what today's topic is. But all these things, putting others first, giving God the first choice of your heart and your mind, your money. We're talking some more next week about worship. Like what, whatever it is, people who look up to you, they will imitate you. Last week, I got the greatest gift, I think, that I may have ever been given. Um, I was visiting with my family. My nine-year-old niece was there. Her name's Ariel. Oh, man. Uh, Danielle's here. You know Ariel, and she's amazing. Whew, like she's just great. And anyway, she comes. She was so excited. She had this gift. She wanted to give me a little gift bag, and she's got this big old bright face. She's like the happiest kid ever. Um, 
and her sister, and she, her sister is sometimes the happiest kid and sometimes the angriest kid. So that's different. If you know her, she's like, yeah, that's totally true. But, but Ariel, man, she's so sweet. She's like, Uncle Chris, I got something for you. She, she runs and she gives me this gift bag. And, and there's two things in this bag. Before I tell you what was in the bag, and I will tell you what was in the bag, but let, let me tell you a little thing about my, my niece. Um, she's my, my brother's daughter, okay? My brother, Jason, he, he, he's just really one of my best friends in the whole world. I look up to him. He's my little brother. I look at him so much. He does so many first fruits type things with his life. He serves so, in so many different ways. And so I, I, just, I, just, I, I look up to him a lot. And I know that his kids are watching him. And I know because I got this, this gift back from my, my niece uh, this past summer. She opened a lemonade stand. Okay, we're going to have a support group later for people who, as kids, had a lemonade stand. It was an utter failure, okay? I'm going to lead that group. My niece was not in that group. She made hundreds of dollars selling lemonade. It was bonkers. She would, she would just call us and be like, I made $80 today. I'm like, what? What is in your lemonade? <laughs> and, oh, man, she, she, did, so, she, she did so good. And, um, but all on her own. She made a choice with uh, some of the money that she made from that lemonade. She gave me this bag and had two things inside. And the first thing was this letter. I got a copy of it, I think. Yeah, I'll read it to you if you can't see it. It says, actually it has 11, 10, 17 on the top. That's my, that's my niece. Um, Dear Uncle Chris, I know church plants are important, so I'm giving you $20. Love, Ariel. I had the same reaction when she gave me that. There were two things in the bag. The second thing was this. This is $20 and quarters, nickels, and dimes. And I'm just picturing her in her bunk bed, counting them out. Now, I know this ain't 10% because she made a lot. And my guess is, my guess is this went to a lot of different places. People are watching us. And they imitate us when we imitate Christ. I want my kids to know that I put God first in every part of my life. I'm so proud of my brother and my sister-in-law. They've been able to teach their daughter this. And I hope my kids can learn this. And people are looking up to you. And trusting God with our money. Living the first fruits lifestyle. Giving God the best of me. It can happen no matter how much money you make. Girls running the lemonade stand. You can start right where you are making a difference in your, in your own life. You can start to rely on God more and on you less. Does it have to be 10%? I told you, it's up to you. But are you relying on God for this or is it leftovers? Uh, sweet, five bucks. And I'm not talking about offering plate. I'm talking about the dude who needs some help, <laughs> right? It's everywhere. We have this opportunity to put God first in everything. We have the opportunity to test God. He says, say I won't. Blow open the floodgates of heaven and bless your life with more than just money, but quality. Maybe a place you could start would be by just investing in your local church. So many of you who have been with me since the beginning of this process know how difficult it is for me to say that out loud. I've worked hard to raise money so this church could happen. And I also want to be church for people who don't like church. And I understand that when people don't like church, one of the main reasons they like it is because the preacher likes to talk about money. 
That ain't me. But we're doing things in this city that are making a difference. But you know what? If you're uncomfortable with that, that's fine. That's fine. We say every single week, you don't have to put money in that bucket. We want this service to be what? A free gift. <laughs> it can be a free gift to you. Maybe that's what you need. That's fine. But don't give up on testing God so that you can trust God. Out in the lobby, we've got Compassion International packets. Kids for $35 a month can be sponsored, have all their needs taken care of, be introduced to good, godly people who could hopefully introduce them to Jesus. A tithe is a lot. 10% is a lot, especially if you've never done it. <laughs> you can do it. I'm going to tell you, you can do it, okay? But as you begin, maybe 35 bucks is a good place to start. We had five of those uh, 15 packets picked up over the last two weeks. That's fantastic. But, but what if one more could go today? And this is your way of telling God, all right, look, dude said that if I trust you, you take care of it. I'm going to have uh, a few less lattes this month, and I'm, I'm going to trust you with this. That's a way to start. I don't have to give you any other, other ideas because you're smart. You're, you're great. <laughs> but this is my encouragement to us. Let's not run through life like it's Black Friday rake in a bunch of junk into our cart to build our own kingdom and, and give God the leftovers. Let's give him a big hefty slice off the top, first fruits in our love, in our relationships with each other, in our time, in our dedication to learning about him, and yeah, in our money. Let's just pray today. God, thank you so much for the examples that you give us through so many good people. Uh, thank you for my niece and how she made me cry in public. Um, it's just such a cool way to, to see the heart of generosity. Lord, help us as a church to continue to be a generous church. Um, Lord, thank you that we've been able to have leadership that's inspired us to, to, to be generous as a church. And Lord, I pray with everyone in this room that the heart of this talk comes through clearly, that what you want from us is our best, and that you're not uh, putting us on a scale checklist of how we can get right with you, but you make us right, and you give us the opportunity to joyfully serve and give and love. So we love you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.